0: Oh my gosh, I am so excited to bring you the first ever podcast, Breaking the Stigma. I've started this podcast because I feel that the general public don't understand what first responders see and what they're exposed to and uh, the mental health problems that they may encounter along the way. Um, We put up this barrier of trying to be strong and weakness is kind of shunned. So it was with great pleasure that my first guest is someone that I worked with for only a couple of months in the police force uh, and at the time we were both very junior. I actually remember having to beg our supervisor to pair us together for some shifts. We worked in the city together and saw some of the weirdest sights as both beats policing on the nightclub strip and suburban policing around the rest of the city and surrounding suburbs. She will do her own introduction, but so will I. Please enjoy this podcast with Mel. Keep listening to hear our take on mental health some fun memories not only together but with other colleagues (laughs) and start breaking the stigma of first responders and mental health.
1: Um, My name's Mel, I used to work for South Australia Police and I left about two years ago and am now working as a positive behaviour support practitioner.
0: That is so fun. Um, So I just want to jump straight into it with you. Um, What year did you join SAPOL? 2017. Beautiful. And um, do you remember the reasons that you wanted to join?
1: Yeah. So I wanted a career where I was going to be helping people, but also a career that was going to be really exciting and where I was going to be able to feel like I was part of, like, something really good and, you know, meet lots of friends and just be part of, like, the Blue Family, as everyone called it. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, like, very... very attractive from what I had heard as an outsider to the police about Mm -hmm. the culture and everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. And it is attractive more often than not. Um, Yeah. So like going through the academy and then graduating, was it the experience that you wanted or you expected?
1: No. So going through the academy was pretty much what I expected. Um, They really hammered home about looking after yourself mentally um and yeah getting you prepared to to get out there and do it for real um but once we graduated it was just very different to what I expected in that there wasn't as much emphasis on looking after your mental health when you were actually out on the road seeing all the things that you see as a police officer and doing all the things you have to do. Um yeah, so while it was good and I met lots of good people, there was, yeah, a real lack of um awareness around mental health and how it really actually impacts police officers. Yeah.
0: So do you feel like at the academy it was quite good, but once you graduated it was it was different then? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. So what do you think kind of is the difference there from like between the academy and the road where's that lie
1: um I think the academy was just a lot more controlled and a bit more of like a a sterile environment if that makes sense like out on the road you know you didn't have to follow I guess like oh gosh you're probably gonna have to cut this part out because I have (laughs) to get like my words together (laughs) um out on the road you sort of you just a bit more on left to your own devices I guess like you don't have people constantly checking in on you and making sure everything's okay and making sure that you know who to reach out to if you need Mm -hmm. help and things like that yeah yeah So on that, before
0: we dive into mental health, because I do really want to touch on that massively, Um, but for just, I guess, reminiscing, what was something that you really loved once you'd graduated? Was there any like standout job or standout moment that you really enjoyed about the police force?
1: Yeah, I think just seeing um, how many women in particular were starting to get amongst the job and like succeeding and doing super amazing jobs and like you know working with you as well like you know we we did some pretty badass stuff together and yeah yep. when we did get to work together and it was it was great in that sense so yeah like i can't think of any specific jobs but just yeah you, you do go to a lot of things where it is exciting and you do have you know cool stories to tell your family and friends and um you know The pay was good and, Mm. you know, yeah, you meet a lot of good people. I think it was more the friends that I made.
0: Yeah, I definitely found that um, since leaving, that's one of the things I've missed the most. You know, you go to work and you're like, you're just kind of hanging out with your friends, um, which is super fun. Um, I actually remember, I can do a good moment. Um, when we were working together and we made an arrest, um, it was some guy in a, in a building and he was stealing (laughs) copper and that wasn't my favorite part. Yeah. My favorite part was, um, when we got to the cells without saying any names, we got the crankiest cell sergeant that (laughs) has ever existed. (laughs)
1: yeah another one (laughs) yeah
0: and he was like who let you two work together like you two junior people um and the best part about it was after that job we got a good work report and it was like up yours
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly and if I remember correctly we found a raw chicken breast randomly in his bag as well yeah, that's right. <laughs> so random. You just never know what you're going to find. The things crooks have. Yeah. Just yeah. leave it up later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, then, okay, I guess on that note, with um, when you kind of, was there like a career defining moment where you kind of swayed away where you were like, okay, this isn't quite right for
1: me anymore? Yeah. So I think. Um, I think yeah so i didn't realize for a really long time that my own mental health was sort of declining um and it wasn't until i was visiting my partner in port augusta and i was due to go back to work um, in adelaide for night shift and i just couldn't bring myself to go and i broke like i just basically had a breakdown and was crying and telling my partner i just couldn't do it Um, yeah and that's when he was like I'm pretty sure you need to like talk to someone and either get off the road or think about you know maybe doing something else career-wise and that was like not even an option for me at that point but then when he said it, I was like oh wow maybe that is something I need to consider.
0: Yeah so like reflecting back on not just that moment but other moments can you see where it started and what the signs may have been
1: yeah so I was I started just not going to social events Um, I started I even stopped going to the gym as regularly um, and I kept blaming it on being tired from the shift work Um, and I would yeah I literally stayed in bed I'd get home from work have not much to eat (laughs) um i would maybe get takeaway but i just couldn't be bothered cooking i would eat a snack and go to sleep and then wake up literally 10 minutes before i had to leave to get to work so i'd have a quick shower and go to work and yeah it was just like i spent my entire life basically in my room (laughs) um and yeah i guess my brother was pretty concerned Mm Because I lived with him at the time, and he was like, "You never come out of your room," and yeah. So when he sort of said something, and then my partner said something, I was just like, "Oh wow!" Like I always just blamed it on shift work and being super tired, but and because I, you know, wasn't doing things like drinking heaps or, you know, other harmful things, I was just like, "No, I'm okay. I'm just tired." But yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's easy to kind of like palm it off on that.
1: Do yeah. You think-
0: it was like a compounding effect of like a lot of events
1: or was there, sorry, you go on. No, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, just a build up because, um, I think you see a lot of the things that you see, um, and you also hear a lot of things that other cops hear. And I think people underestimate how, um, How much vicarious trauma can impact you so like someone else's trauma like even just hearing about it can actually traumatize you as well Mm. and so you know there was this big culture of talking about you know really messed up jobs that you went to and um you know while i understand a lot of cops deal with things with dark humor like it's huge Mm. (laughs) um it's also it also can be super damaging to people who don't deal with that stuff all that well um so yeah I think I think it was just like a build-up of seeing all this messed up stuff and then not having support or debriefs afterwards and then you know also working with um a certain person (laughs) who was very inappropriate and yeah it it just all built up and yeah yeah
0: yeah that's fair enough it's funny I actually um, was reading up recently on things to say and not to say to when you first meet first responders. And one of the things is don't ask a first responder what the worst job they've ever been to is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> how come that's the advice for like general public, but it's not the advice within our own organisation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I do find that all very interesting. Um, and the dark humour is absolutely used like day in, day out yeah um, so yeah I just it baffles me to be honest that a lot of this isn't really even known
1: um, yeah
0: yeah whether it would make a difference or not maybe to one or two people but yeah definitely for me I had no idea because dark humor was my go-to <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and I, I dabbled in it as well yeah it didn't really work well for me so yeah yeah so I actually remember like, I went to one job and um It was literally meant to be like a um, just babysitting someone at the hospital. But I ended up watching them get their chest opened up and they ended up dying. Um, And I remember coming back from that job and everyone at the office was, at the station was like, oh, that would have been so cool. And, you know, Mm. I wish I went to that job. And I I was actually like really upset by it, but I couldn't show it. I had to pretend like I was fine. And then I was like, oh yeah so I yeah no one asks you if you're okay they're just like oh that's super cool and it's like no there's not really anything cool about that
0: yeah and there's no training that could really prepare you for that either yeah 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 it's um it is interesting because I find that like a lot of the times there's this strength that you feel like you have to show and I think to our own discredit it's then we find it harder to show our own weaknesses too Mm, Yeah. yeah exactly So speaking up makes it 10 times harder because you're like, well, I'm supposed to be strong.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So
0: with your transition kind of uh, once you were like, my mental health is actually suffering here, people are noticing. How did that, how did you kind of slowly transition
1: out of SAPOL? So I initially, I just resigned straight off the bat. Um, And I didn't mention anything about the mental health stuff in my interviews or anything like that. Um, but a chief superintendent um, actually reached out to me and she bought me a coffee and she was like, be honest with me, just tell me what what is the real reason you're leaving? And so I did confide in her about the mental health side of things and all the other stuff going on. And she was really amazing and supportive. And she found me a place in Um, headquarters where I could be off the road for a while um, while you know I went through the process of you know psychological recovery Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah she was the reason I was going to stay Um, but then unfortunately she passed away and that's where I lost all my support again Um, so yeah I ended up making the decision to leave after that yeah
0: And the support that she gave you, was that from the whole section or was that just
1: her? Mostly just, yeah, just her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So then I guess um, it begs the question now, if, if say I was to join the police, would you give me any advice or if anyone has just joined the police for like longevity in the job? Like is there any kind of tips
1: and tricks and things to look out for? Yeah, I think just, like, don't be afraid to see a psychologist. Seek mental health um, help, I guess. Um, yeah, like, go to an external psychologist. You know, there's so much stigma around using the police psychologist and everyone's like, oh, you're going to lose your gun and all mm. that sort of stuff. But it, it, you're not. Like, there's no, yeah, just because you're getting help doesn't make you any less of a police officer, like, just because you're struggling even if it's one week into the job after you've graduated if you're struggling with a job that doesn't make you weak and it doesn't mean you're not a good police officer it just means you're a human who needs mm. some help
0: yeah absolutely I think as well um something that I struggled with a fair bit and I don't know if, if you did as well was um speaking out and being so junior as as the rank structure kind of dictates is that you know you're not allowed to feel things unless you've experienced like 10 plus years and you have crippling PTSD which honestly I don't want to get
1: there so yeah um, like what are your thoughts on that um I think yeah that it, that's a really tough one because you know you get those crusty old police officers who will you know, be super negative about mental health and it's really hard when you're in such a junior position to speak up against them. But I just think, just be true to yourself and remember that, um, yeah, asking for help is, is never a bad thing. There is always someone else who will support you if it's not that crusty old police officer. There's, you know, um, if you're a probationary officer still you should have some sort of mentor, um, you know, one of the boxes, like you can reach out to anybody, reach out to HR. Like it doesn't have to be someone you work with that you reach out to. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah I think
0: that's so important because I feel like because of the hierarchy and that structure yeah. that most I guess it's paramilitary and police, but any hierarchical organisation has is that you don't reach out to bosses. Like, you go to your sergeant or you go to whoever's next in charge. Um, Yeah. But I think that if there was some way to break the stigma around, like, bosses are human too. Um, Yeah. Just approach them and if they don't want to help you, there'll be another boss that wants to help you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So... Yes, it was, um, I've actually got a quote that I found recently um, and it was through listening to another podcast. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it was one uh, interviewing Keith Banks, who is, he left Queensland police and he's extraordinary. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on that, as on this quote as well. And it's, um, beware that when fighting monsters, you yourself do not become a monster.
1: Yeah um i resonate with that quote um i think that was one of the reasons i also left disabled because i felt myself becoming a different person um Mm -hmm. because of the job so yeah that's a really really good quote because it's really good to be mindful of you know not becoming a monster i guess but like not becoming skeptical, not becoming cynical, not becoming this person who's just jaded and, and hates life mm. because all you see is people's worst days or all you see is like really horrible things and you know it's really easy to fall into that pattern. But yeah, it's yeah, that's why looking after your mental health is so important as well so that you avoid falling into that.
0: Mm. I think it also um it's just begs the whole like you are who you surround yourself with so mm-hmm. if you graduate to a team and you've got crusty senior connies then you're not you're not in with much hope unfortunately but um yeah. I guess like on that note is there if someone kind of is in the job at the moment and they feel themselves maybe because of this like they're questioning their mental health or, like maybe I am in that position um is there anything that you would recommend like any questions they could ask themselves or would it just be go to go to your local person and ask for help
1: um I think just asking yourself or just reminding yourself why you joined the job and reminding yourself of who you were before you joined the job and you know like who you want to be um yeah and reaching out for help I think Yeah. yeah I think that's a
0: really good point like remembering who you were because yeah. um, with policing i think it becomes such an identity as well you go yeah, exactly. oh this is this is Jasmine she's my friend she's a police officer you like yeah <laughs> exactly cool. is that yeah. all i am to you um yeah. so yeah, i think that's very important and like even sitting down and like looking at your values as well i know that was a big thing when i left i sat down and i was i looked at where where my values were and where I thought the organization might lie at that time. Mm -hmm. And it just, it didn't quite line up with where I was at. So I think that's um, really important. And then I guess as well, covering off on like the Blue family, which is a really nice family to be part of. But um, I don't know, what were your feelings when you left? Because I know I felt like there was a handful of people that were really supportive of me. And everyone else was kind of like, oh, you're out. We don't like you anymore.
1: Yeah, that's a huge thing. Um, The Blue family, yeah, they're there until you're not there, if that makes sense. Like, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I had the same experience. Like, I probably speak to, like, a few, like, a handful, like you said, people who I worked with and, uh, yeah, everyone else has just sort of dropped off because we no longer have that police talk in common so we no longer really have you know that connection if that makes yeah. sense so whereas like a lot of other jobs I've left like I've still got heaps of good friends from from those jobs like it isn't the same sort of cutoff.
0: yeah absolutely I agree with mm-hmm. that because I think going into policing you know when you pair paired up with someone it's the um this person could potentially save my life at the end of the day so you build up yeah, bond exactly. very very quickly with them um but that doesn't mean that you've got things in common um and then i also think that that's where it comes in really important and i don't think it's i I know that it's pushed but i don't think it's pushed enough that you really have to like focus on your outside of life with like with any i think organization where people are first responders because um i think it's very easy to get consumed by it
1: yeah yeah i totally agree with that and focusing on friends that you have outside of the police and you know my partner is a good example he's still in the police and he you know when he's not at work he's not at work like he doesn't talk about police stuff he doesn't you know only hang out with police friends like we do so much that isn't police related um and I think that's why he is still quite mentally well and, you know, coping with the job quite well because he has that really good work-life balance.
0: Yeah. Do you think that's a conscious effort by the two of you to do that?
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially right by him. He was the one who was really like onto it. And then he sort of got me onto it as well. And then, yeah. Yeah. How did
0: it work when um, you were both police officers?
1: um it was probably worse because we didn't want to talk about work with each other when we were at home whereas now like you know I can tell him all about my day at work and it's not and we're not doing police talk like we're not Mm -hmm. we don't get into like tangents about like I don't know police related stuff and yeah so it, it is like much better like I don't know I can't speak for everyone but I I find not being both in the job is much healthier for the relationship. I don't know about you, but.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, again, people can just fall into the trap of maybe they don't have anything in common, but yeah, the job is so strong that you have that one thing in common, but it's yeah. not enough at the end of the day, usually. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but you can definitely see people getting consumed by it, totally consumed by it, which is. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to watch and I've I've seen people go through it, I'm sure, like, with yourself as well. Um, yeah. And then I also think, like, for a lot of people, it's super brave when they go off the road.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. And um, people are often seen as weak when they get go off the road, where yeah. it's quite the opposite. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, And I think also I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day um, and we were talking about mental health um, comparatively to physical health. And we were kind of discussing why we don't we don't understand why mental health isn't treated the same as physical health, because it's like if you had an injury, you know, you'd go to a physio and you'd get it treated. That's just like the normal practice. But with mental health, everyone's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden you break down. It's like it could have been very small
1: yeah exactly yeah that's right
0: so i guess um just to end things i want to touch off on do you remember like the weirdest thing you saw so not like the grossest not like but like the weirdest like we touched on the chicken thing before i remember one lady <laughs> i searched her and she she didn't want to be searched but she like lifted up her boobs and just like <laughs> stuff came pouring out from underneath and underneath one of them was like my friend's watch that had been stolen like <laughs> earlier in the shift um so just like the weirdest thing that i saw was that i was like oh this is your watch what's going on
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty funny um uh there's so there's a few but i guess the first one that pops to mind is um me and one of my colleagues went to a house where it was um, a potential break-in, and the lady who answered the door, her hair was like completely matted. Like she was just this poor old lady, and her hair, her hair was just a mess. And she, yeah, she said that she woke up and her hair was matted, so someone must have broken into matte, like for the purpose of matting her hair. <laughs> and I just remember being so confused, like why was, she... <laughs> But yeah, poor thing. Oh.
0: There's so many people like that where you're like, oh, that wouldn't have happened. We're so sorry, though.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We still searched around the house just to make her happy. Oh, the poor matted hair. All right. Well, on that, thank you
0: for joining. And thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Um, this is the first of many many podcasts I have reached out to a lot of friends that I know that have struggled with mental health but also love what they do Um, and I have a lot of really great guests lined up so please tune in and uh, come back and listen to episode two thank you Mel now let's break that friend stigma